Hey there guys, welcome to today's live stream. We're gonna be talking all about the different types of cardio you can do, five types of cardio that you can do if you've got back pain or talking about when you should be doing them, how we should be doing them, and really getting into all the details on that. So hopefully you guys are gonna find it really, really helpful, really interesting. And if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing to the channel. We do these live streams every single weekday and at the end of the live streams today being no different, we go live or we do live Q&A. So hopefully that's your opportunity to ask us some questions. If you do have any, post those in the comments below because Lara's the other side of the camera, she'll be able to answer those or read those out and we can get some answers for you guys. With that being said, let's get into today's live stream. So guys, um, we're gonna get into these sort of uh, cardio bits and pieces uh, today. Hopefully you're gonna find them really helpful. And cardio is something that people want to sort of get into. Uh, they want a way of working out to uh, work on fitness, work on health, work on the cardiovascular system. And all too often, uh, we get into the wrong things. So we wanna use this as an opportunity to give you guys five different forms of cardio that people regularly mention and what the pros and cons of those are, why you should maybe lean away from some of these and towards others, and when the right time to get into others are, which you may not have considered. So we've got the five types, walking, cycling, running, rowing, and the cross trainer. And if you've watched any of our other live streams before, we have touched on these in the past, but maybe not in the same detail. So I'm gonna go through each one as we go down. We're gonna try and be proactive and helpful. I know that some people, for example, cycling, they enjoy cycling. so. We want to make you aware of the weaknesses with that particular mode. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you do enjoy it, there is something to be said for that. So maybe we can make some suggestions in today's live that will offset some of the bad that is being done while you're doing some of these particular exercises. But if you are in a position where you're struggling with your back and you're trying to get it better, I definitely lean towards a few of these over the others. So that's really, really important for you guys to bear in mind. So first and foremost, we've got walking. This is really the go-to one for more or less every body. It's a, an ability for our body to get a little bit of movement through it in a weight-bearing position, in an upright position. We want to be walking with a good posture, head over the shoulders, over the hips, over the feet. We don't want to be stooping forwards or arching backwards unnecessarily. That is really, really important. And this allows us, all too often when we've got severe back pain and muscle spasm, we tend to shy away from doing any sort of physical activity, any walking or anything like that. And actually getting a little bit of walking done, even if it's just around the house, leaning on some of the surfaces that you might have, it can make a big difference to getting rid of some of that excess inflammation. Because as we mentioned in previous lives, talking about back pain, it's when inflammation builds up in those little holes that we start to get that pain, that discomfort. And sometimes it's really serious pain or sciatica. And a little bit of movement can help our body flush away some of that excess inflammation. So no matter what stage you're in, getting up and just moving around a little bit is always going to be a helpful option. Now there's some things you can make, you can use to make it more helpful, especially if we're talking about getting out of the house and doing a little bit of a walk. I've been speaking to a number of people on the live streams as well as in the Back in Shape membership group. A few people have suggested or used these and that's the poles, the walking poles. Those can really help you stay upright and also get a little bit of support whilst you are feeding in maybe this level of cardiovascular activity to your general rehab process because ultimately, if we're not fit, we're gonna struggle with the cardiovascular side of things to actually do our workout in the first place. So that's a really good option. A little bit of support uh, and those walking poles can be helpful and are helpful for many. 
The second one is when you're feeding in a new walking exercise or you're you're starting walking out of the house maybe for the first time in a while or you're looking to step it up. Consider making improvements or make, increasing the intensity by doing a flat route versus a hilly route. Now there's pros and cons with both. When we're going uphill, we're gonna be leaning forwards and that often in the short term actually relieves a little bit of pain because it makes the holes larger. But after maybe a few minutes or even sometimes a few steps, you're going to find that actually it's going to, because it's putting so much more pressure on the discs on the front of the vertebra, that can be an aggravating factor. It's something we generally advise people to steer clear of. Conversely, going down the hill can sometimes be uncomfortable because we have to lean back for counterbalance and it can load the facet joints. And also, therefore, as, we, as we're loading the facet joints on the back of the vertebra, it closes that hole, so can again make things a little bit worse. And if we have certain things like more severe disc degeneration where the facets are going to be touching as well, and we've got things like spondylolisthesis or other issues, then that downhill walking can also be equally challenging. Um, so th th we want to be mindful of avoiding those sorts of hilly routes in the early stages of back pain uh, rehab, what we would classify as sort of the phase one and the phase two stages. But as we get into phase three and our body is an awful lot stronger than it was, we can start to feed in some of these things, but we should always go with the treat principle. And I will touch on that again, just as a refresh. We've mentioned it a number of times recently, but we'll touch on that a little bit later in the life. Next, we get on to cycling. So cycling is a big one. It gets commented on quite a lot. And I want to start off by saying, what type of bike are we using? Are we using a spin bike? Are we using a road bike? So very similar there. Or are we using something that's a little bit more upright? Maybe it's like uh, the Boris bikes in London where they're, they're rather upright. Uh, or are we talking about a stationary leaning back bike? Those ones that are sort of, you're sat almost in a chair and, 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 and doing the cycling. Now, my biggest gripe with, well, the two big gripes with cycling is you're sat down, number one. And if you're doing the first two, the, the sorry, the spin bike or the um, the, the the racing bike, etc., then you're going to be leaning in a very very flexed position, a forward bending position. And although we have the support on our arms, so we're not necessarily loading through the spine as much on the spin bike and the road bike, we are in a position of extreme flexion. And many people that do the road cycling will do 50, 100 miles at a time or kilometers at a time. And that takes, it's maybe a two, three, four hour cycle on the weekend on a lovely day like it is today. The problem with that is we're leaning forwards for such an extended period of time and the stretch that that puts through the ligaments is counterproductive when we're trying to get everything back there to restore back to its normal lordotic position. So um, there are a few suggestions that I'll make in a moment with that, but I really would encourage you if you are a keen cyclist, please try and take on board some of these principles that I talk about later and try and put it off a little bit if you can until you're further along with your rehab process. Bikes that are sort of semi-recumbent sitting back or upright bikes, um, from the semi-recumbent bike point of view, if you're just sat inside using it, not a big fan of those because it's just not practical in terms of the way in which we use our body. We want to get you guys moving in an upright position, able to locomote and move around the place. So I really would prioritize walking over uh, the bike in that particular position. So that's and it's sitting, more sitting. We don't need more sitting on a daily basis. If it's an upright bike and you like just maybe riding along the promenade or something like that, just for enjoyment, get out in the fresh air for 20 minutes or so, then that is a little bit different and that I'd say is more acceptable. You're doing that purely for enjoyment. We're not doing it for hours on end. And therefore, if we can take these little tips on board that I'm gonna go through in a moment, then we can make cycling a little bit more effective for us or a little bit less uh, detrimental for us when we're talking about recovering from back pain. So two main tips. Number one, 
get the handlebars higher and the seat slightly lower. So we're more in an upright position. It's easier to maintain that lordosis unless we have very, very, very flexible hips. And we've really worked hard at that. We're not gonna have the hip flexibility to keep our spine straight um, in, in, a, in a normal setup on the bike. So that's number one. Number two, is going to be as soon as you finished on that bike, get on the towel. All of you will know the towel exercise that we recommend all the time. Uh, it's in the backinshapeapp.com uh, website. Uh, so you can check it out over there. But that towel exercise is the imperative that you do after you finish your cycle because it's just gonna allow you to oppose that forward bending motion that your spine will have been under for an extended period, whether it's 15, 20 minutes of a nice little cycle to maybe a coffee shop or whether it is uh, you know, a two, three, four hour, uh, hour cycle. And on this final note for those sort of cycle enthusiasts that do like those longer trips, if you stop at traffic lights, if you're, if you're stopping at any points, please just try and get up and, and up and, and get yourself upright again if possible. That's a really, really important one. And as, as I said, get on the towel at the end of the session because it's just trying to stop the sustained ligamentous stretch, which is my concern when we're talking about those um, you know, road cycle enthusiasts that are doing those long rides. It's this sustained stretch through the posterior lumbar ligaments and tendons, etc., that I don't particularly like. And if we can find a way to disrupt that sustained stretch by getting upright, uh, that's gonna be really uh, helpful and much to your benefit. And it'll mean that you can still do the cycling for enjoyment uh, whilst taking a few small simple steps to make it slightly less detrimental for your lumbar and thoracic spine. So that's that's the, the topic of cycling. Next we have rowing. Now rowing on the surface of it is one that's suggested by people. People ask, oh, well, can I do some rowing? Because you know it's building my back muscles, I'm using my back um, and that's fine, but there's so many other ways. We've already discussed walking being good. Uh, we'll get onto some more further down. I really would suggest you do the, the walking or the cross trainers we'll get into later because the rowing, even with the best will in the world, and um, if we're doing it well and we're pivoting from the hips only, we're still sat down for long periods and that reaching as we go forwards causes us to collapse over. So all we're doing for 500 meters, 1,000 meters is going squash, 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 squash on our discs. And it's just the advantages of doing that versus disadvantages just kind of don't really stack up. So we wanna get a uh, you know effective evaluation of what am I doing here and why am I doing it? Um, I, I always say really with cycling and with rowing, unless you wanna compete in the Cambridge boat race or you're gonna have a yellow jersey on the Tour de France, there's not much point in progressing with these sorts of cardiovascular exercises for the sake of cardio. There's many other ways we can do cardio that are, that are more safe and more effective for the spine unless you have a particular enthusiasm for these particular sports. So just bear that in mind. With rowing, a few little tips you can do is again, we use the towel straight afterwards, but bend at the hips only. We only pivot from the hips. We stick our bum out as we come forwards and we reach and we maintain a lordotic spine. So we, instead of bending from the spine, where we've got the hips here and we're going like that, forwards and backwards then yes we could argue actually that's going to be a good bit uh, you know a good bit of workout on, on hip extension um, and, and would be acceptable but we have to be be really clear with our with our flexibility uh, etc so that's that's the take on rowing when we get down to running I think actually I'll cover running last because there's a little bit of a chat about the running side of things. But we're going to cross trainer or the elliptical and this is the machine in the gym. So if, you, if you're considering the leaning back bike or you're considering the rowing, uh, then the cross trainer would kind of be in that group. It's, it's the gym equipment going in there and using the cardio equipment. And I would always encourage you to move towards the cross trainer or the elliptical, different names for essentially the same thing. This is the machine that has the big handlebars that move like so, and they normally have a heart rate monitor in the middle where the handlebars are static. 
use the static handlebars. If you're doing that at the same time, you're gonna feel like you're being shaken from both ends and sometimes that's just not a pleasant experience. Um, so we don't want that. Why do I like the cross trainer? Well, there's two big reasons. Number one is you're upright. So we're able to do exercises upright. And number two, it's very, very low impact. So much like walking, we have that upright but slow, small amount of wiggling through the spine, which helps us just keep movement through there and helps that area drain. On a slight tangent, we've mentioned before that uh, one of the reasons that uh, the lower back flares up overnight in many cases and feels particularly bad in the morning is because it doesn't have a very good drainage mechanism when we're not moving. So inflammation and excess fluid generally just swells up in that area. And those little bits of movement when we're upright walking or on the cross trainer allow us to just get the drainage going and get rid of some of that waste and, and build up of fluid and inflammatory products in that lower back. And because it's a small amount of movement on the cross trainer, you're gonna find it's a lot easier on your lower back because there's less impact, less compression. The second benefit of the cross trainer is that you're able to really whack up the intensity. So from a cardiovascular point of view, you might find that walking, I'm not quite there, I'm not quite able to actually, you know, really work up a sweat unless I'm walking for a very, very long period of time. Whereas the cross trainer does allow you, if you're short on time, to be able to, um, you know, do a 20 minute blast in a way that's not really gonna stress your spine out uh, in terms of any injuries, but is gonna be a really good biomechanical position to be in, in terms of upright and working the cardio. So that's a really good one. And you can really work as hard or as easy as you want on the cross trainer. It's very, very um, flexible. So it can really allow someone to work on their fitness really well, or just introduce a little bit of cardio in a safe and effective way. Just get on the machine and off the machine in a, in a careful manner. That brings us back to running. Running is the last one. and, and we don't really talk about running a lot in the early stages of, of recovery in phase one, phase two, or even the early parts of phase three, because it is an impact sport. And the problem with running is that if we're running too slowly, then there's a lot more up and down motion and that creates a lot of impact in the spine. Uh, and there's all sorts of other issues with running that can make it a more challenging exercise for someone with back pain. Do we lean forwards too far? Do we lean backwards too far when we're running in our personal technique? And we can maybe get into this in future live streams, uh, you know, to, to, to dissect this a little bit more. But running is generally a good thing to work towards for many people. The reactions in our body from that impact, the controlled impact when we're running quickly with good form is gonna help us strengthen the discs, strengthen the bones, etc. But it is something for much further on in the recovery process. And what we do suggest with running is if you enjoy doing that sort of activity, then slowly start to feed it in. Try and run relatively quickly in shorter distances rather than go, oh, I feel like giving running a go. I'm gonna do a, there are these things where it's like couch to 5K or those sorts of things. Please try and avoid those as best you can. Pick a speed, so something that's relatively quick. And, and this is why also we, I like the cross trainer because if you're sensible around this particular um, aspect, the cardio aspect, you can use the cross trainer very effectively to build up your general fitness. So when you then incorporate running into your day, into your fitness regime, the running itself, you're able to run faster for a longer period because you've built up a baseline of fitness on the cross trainer in a safe and effective way. So we can run at that uh, eight or nine minute mile speed uh, for, for, for a, a longer period of time. Maybe you can only do 500 meters, but you can run at that slightly faster speed for a longer period of time rather than plodding at 15 minute miles or very, very slow because those are just gonna give you back a little bit of trouble. So running does have many great adaptive changes and there is some good research. I remember from a little while ago, we did a topic on running um, about long-term runners and I'm talking about 
years of running, not six months or anything like that, but actually getting more collagen laid down in the disc, getting stronger load bearing structures as a result of the adaptive change that running gives. That's not for you right now in the phase one, two, and three of back in shape. You're not going to get that change in that time frame, but it's something worth bearing in mind. So if you are keen on running, let's build it in slowly at the right time. And that way we can get into an activity that actually can provide a good degree of benefit if it's done correctly. If you do running badly, you're going to create problems for yourself. You're going to make things worse in the knees, hips, ankles, and lower back. So we have to make sure we're doing it correctly in a sensible manner. And I would always suggest to a lot of people, get on that cross trainer first, build it with basic level of fitness. And once we've got an acceptable level of fitness, then we can consider things like the running. So that's pretty much it on the cardio for today's live stream. I can see Lara laughing at a few of the comments that are coming through or smiling at a few of the comments. So uh, if we get to the Q and A, that'd be great. Good morning, everybody. Right, yes, we will get straight into the questions. Um, we actually missed out swimming on the board and Jeannie pointed that out. So can you please give us some advice on swimming? I think if I touch swimming, could touch on swimming now, because I actually think I had a call with someone about swimming recently. Anyway, um, so swimming, uh, that is a really good one. Um, I personally used to do a lot of swimming when I was younger, so it's something that I know a good degree about. The The big thing about swimming, and I'm gonna incorporate aqua aerobics in here because I know a lot of people like that sort of thing as well. Um, being in the pool is great for your ability to move around. Uh, we can do activities in a lower gravity environment and therefore we can get better movement and mobility through our joints and we can do a bit of cardio by way of, of swimming. But in terms of doing swimming properly, you know, tumble turns and that sort of thing, not advised if you've got back pain. So bear that in mind. The, the big issue with swimming is that we need load. We need, because our body is reacting to the stress of gravity putting pressure on our structure on a daily basis and that's how we get stronger. So if we're only doing swimming as our primary and only method of rehab, because sometimes people will do that, I'm sure many of you in the back in shape would not do this, but it's worth uh, covering nonetheless. Many people will just say, oh, well, I love macroaerobics, it really feels good, and da 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 And using a pool-based activity as your primary form of rehabilitation is not advisable. And my opinion on that is because you're not getting the gravity. We do need a degree of gravity. As I've mentioned with the running last thing, it is that impact controlled in a good way that actually triggers changes in our body, adaptation in our body, the bones get stronger, we get more collagen laid down in certain joints, etc. So we improve the overall durability and ability of our body to weight bear. That only happens when we have more weight on us. The same issue you find with astronauts when they come back to the UK or come back to the planet, sorry, not necessarily the UK, it might be somewhere else. When they come back down to the planet from the space station, they have to do a period of intensive rehabilitation to actually build themselves back up because their body adapts to the loss of stimulation. So if our primary mechanism for uh, for working out is only in the pool, then we do need to consider some land-based exercises that are actually going to build up strength and stability. Uh, and that's the sort of exercises that we talk about in the back in shape, phase two and phase three. So bear in mind, swimming is okay. It's good. Um, you can get a good workout and certain benefits from that swimming, but it shouldn't be the only thing you're doing. And also just bear in mind, if you are in sort of what we call phase one, or slowly transitioning into phase two and we're still in a bit of, you know, we're still a bit vulnerable in the back, then the one issue I do have with swimming uh, in a pool is that the process of you getting undressed and dressed afterwards, you know, putting on those swimming, that swimming costume that's a little bit tight, etc. You know, it's a lot of bending and twisting 
right before and right after we're going to do some activity so there are those risks involved if you i know i was speaking to a lady more recently well, and actually in the last couple of months uh, and she lived by the sea so she just walk into the sea and walk back out again well there's no issues there you know and if you're walking back to your house then you know that that's perfectly fine there's not going to be those risks there but that's pretty much my take on swimming in particular or acro aerobics stuff in the pool okay awesome uh, mandy has said here after my fusion they recommended swimming only um, she also asked uh, earlier on, um, how long do we walk for and how often do we do it when we first start walking? So um, th- there is a certain degree of trial and error to this. Um, I normally say, you know, give a 15 minute walk ago um, and see how you go. What you will do, and, you, and it, this is a necessary thing. So bear in mind, after you've done any of these cardiovascular activities, I would always suggest you get on the towel and get a bit of ice on, especially if it's the first time you've done it. Like anything, we have to test the boundaries. We have to see where we're at and we want to do this in a responsible manner. So maybe we're doing a small circuit around home. Maybe we do a 10 minute walk. We see how we are. We use that treat principle. There's no right or wrong time. It's just finding out what's right or wrong for you. Some of you watching this will be able to do a three minute walk and then it oh, it's trouble. Others of you will do 10 minutes before things start kicking in. Others will be able to do an hour or so and then you find that it's a little bit too much the next day. We do that treat principle, that test rest for the rest of the day evaluate in the context of our symptoms and the context of the daily pattern and then adjust if necessary so maybe it was too much maybe it wasn't enough walking and then we can test again in the future so remember that principle but it might be 10 minutes it might be 15 minutes don't be alarmed if you did 20 minutes and actually you're okay then you did 30 and you were sore the next day if that's the case then you know now, look, okay, it was a bit too much. So we'll just back off a little bit and we'll sit at 20. And we'll sit at 20 for a week and then we'll maybe do two 20s in one day, morning and maybe later in the day. And maybe do that a couple of times and then we'll try that 30 minute walk. And it's just being being a, you know proactive, a little bit over the top analytical about these sorts of things. But if you're in the in the sort of the back in shape membership group, then just ping, the, ping us in a, a comment in the Facebook group and, and say, look, I just did a 15 minute walk. What do you think I should do? And that way we can tailor things a little bit more to you guys and give you a bit more advice. But that's the general principles. Test something, evaluate it and then go on from there. Okay, brilliant. Alex Sparks has said, um, about walking using poles. Mm. She said, I've actually come away from them. I found that unless they're really tall, virtually shoulder height, they tend to make me stoop over and strain the back. Um, I do use them, but for balance mainly, but I think beware. It's a good point. Yeah, we, we want to make sure the height is right. We see, unfortunately, people coming into the clinic with crutches or with walking sticks uh, as aids when they first come in. And quite often people have them too low so they're actually leaning over onto the thing and um, the, the amount of times that I have to take the thing off them and stretch it out so they're more upright again is a big thing so thanks for mentioning that Alex it's a big one we want to make sure they're the right height we want to make sure you're not stooping over so a bit of personal evaluation like Alex has done is going to be really important and that way you can just make sure they're the right height for you. Awesome. Um, Nyla has asked here uh, can I ask about my workout after workout I've got back pain um thanks i did ask her what sort of exercises is she doing during her workout but if that is the case for somebody so um, what do you recommend if we're doing like a workout workout i'm going to assume that might be like a gym workout or something like that um it's not it's not necessarily that bad if you do have a bit of a back discomfort it's 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 what scale is it and this sometimes does require a little bit more of a conversation so i'm thinking I probably suggest if you're getting it regularly, you need to look at what exercises you're doing, how you're doing them. But also it might be a case of, oh, let's uh, let's 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 get on the towel straight afterwards. Before I leave the gym, I'll get on a towel, take a towel in. You finish your workout, you get on the towel, you get up. How are you 20, 30 minutes later? 
if everything's fine again, then I'd probably say, hey, are we doing the workout wrong? Are we lifting wrong? A lot of people we see in the gym, they, their technique's not necessarily so great and they've got some dodgy movement patterns which are putting unnecessary stress on the back. Is it that sort of aching pain in the back where everything's kind of throbbing um, or is it like a really tight feeling where the muscles are just full of blood and just restricted? That, that sort of pump. Well, that's okay, that second one, but the other might be an indication that things are not so good. So do the towel, do a bit of icing, see how that adjusts things, and maybe get someone to just check your form because it might be that there's a few technical issues there, um, especially if we're doing things like deadlifts or squats. Uh, we want to be mindful of that. If you're doing other things, then we need to, you need to talk about that in a little bit more detail, I think. And just in case Nyla's not on the back and shape um, yeah, if you're not in the program. back in shape and you're finding that the back pain is getting worse, then definitely get into the back in shape membership site, uh, backinshapeapp.com. Um, the reason I suggest that is because quite often it, it's not necessarily um, the exercises that you're doing, it's other practices. For example, a big one is people will be in the gym, they'll do their workout, then they'll sit down and play on their phone sit down and flex so you've done a comp completely normal exercise with a nice neutral spine you maybe you've done your squats or your deadlifts or you've done some lunges um, or you've just done bench press for example uh, but then you go and sit on your phone leaning forward squashing on that disc and that's a big one I, I really do discourage people from once between sessions don't just sit down and lean forwards on your phone because that is what's giving you trouble and that's why in the back and shape we have those educational units where we're just talking about various principles that you guys need to be aware of so you can stop doing them and the amount of times that many of you watching this uh, will have seen other people saying hey I was already I was doing all of those wrong things maybe it's even you watching this right now and you've you've seen some of the back and shape stuff um, and you say oh I was doing all of these wrong practices you know it's astounding how many of these I was doing that I should not be doing so sometimes the information is actually more helpful than the exercises in the short term Okay, brilliant. And Isla, yes, free to join. Um, and that is backinshapeapp.com, the yep. web page. Okay, brilliant. Um, so, um, questions about some treadmill running. Is it better to run on the treadmill or outside for recovery? So I, I, I fed in uh, treadmill running to start with. And the reason I did that is I know how fast I want to be able to run. Um, and that's generally around about 10 kilometers an hour. You may not, you may really struggle with this. So there is a bit of, you know, if you can't really run that fast, I'd suggest maybe we need to just do the cross training to start with. If you don't have the fitness or the technique, uh, we need to be light on our feet. We need to be taking short, fast steps. We'll probably come up with a little bit more direct guidance on running and the mechanics of running. But I think running on the treadmill ensures that you are not going to be plodding along. Well, you know, you, you're doing the 10 minutes and you can do it for maybe, sorry, you're doing the 10 kilometers an hour and you can maybe only do it for 30 seconds. Well, that's you done. You don't just go and put it down to five kilometers an hour and carry on plodding for 20 minutes. You do the five minutes and that's where you're at right now. And with time, you'll be able to get a little bit faster, but we need to be focusing on some of those principles of running well as well, which we haven't really unpacked that much, um, you know, in here because it's a little bit more further on in the back in shape sort of uh, process, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I do think treadmill running is quite good. And then you can then start to transmit that to outside. Uh, it works quite well. Um, and I think the last question Ollie has asked, is there a difference between the impact on a curved treadmill versus a flat treadmill? Um, having run on the tre curved treadmills, I think the main thing with those is that you can drive them yourself. I think they are very difficult. They're, 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 <laughs> they are. The good thing about those curved treadmills, uh, so they're, they're like a, it's like this sort of shape and you basically run on them at your speed. You can adjust the resistance, but you drive the treadmill is that it is, it is draining up here. And it's so draining up here, having to run properly on the thing at a consistent pace 
that you kind of almost don't feel how tired you are because you're focusing so much on running on them. Mm. Um, they are good for sort of sprint work. They're good for, they're really good for sort of athletic performance, I, I find. I wouldn't really recommend many of the guys that are in back in shape. I wouldn't really recommend you guys worry about that too much unless you're, you know, you're yeah. well on and, and, you know, you're doing great and you're looking for something more. Uh, but that's really not, I don't think many of you guys that are watching this should be considering those treadmills because they are just a little bit more. They're advanced. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nyla's just come back. She said exercise for slim arms. Thank you. So maybe it's actually upper back pain that she's, oh, that she's so, talking yeah, about. Yeah. So if if we're doing exercises to kind of slim the arms down, that's going to be a lot of smaller dumbbells, I expect. Um, and and this is actually a really good good point because a lot of the times, uh, you know, not obviously not ladies doing these but we get guys that are coming into the, to the clinic and they they maybe do 200 kilos deadlift or 150 kilo deadlift or 100 kilo deadlift and they have no trouble and they've injured themselves picking up the four kilo dumbbells and putting them back on the rack because they don't think about how they're picking them up and a lot of uh, ladies when you're doing some of those lighter weights for the arms and shoulders to kind of tone things up um you're using a small dumbbell and then you're putting it down and then you're picking it up and then you're putting it down. And because it's a light dumbbell and you're able to curl it with your arms, lifting it up isn't really much trouble. So we don't focus on the technique there. So we really need to get a bench, rest the weights on a bench, make sure we're lifting with a straight back and we're bending our knees, those sorts of things. If we're getting lower back pain as a result of that, we really need to look at how we're holding ourselves and our form. Sometimes actually, uh, maybe you can sit down doing the workout. So maybe if we're doing the arms, we sit down in the chair. So we've got a nice straight back along the chair or we find a wall in the gym and we actually just lean against the wall to make sure we're not swinging or moving forwards or backwards, etc. That can make a big difference. If the pain is up here, in the upper back, then definitely look at your head position because a lot of people push their head yeah. forwards and that will be coming from your neck rather than back, your back per se. So I definitely look at that one. And if that is the case, then we want to get that towel exercise for the neck that we talk about because that's going to unload it. And we want to make sure we're not doing that anymore because that will be straining your neck and doing exactly the same as we discussed in the lower back. It's going to be squashing those discs down and putting unnecessary strain on the cervical spine, which can often give referral pain to that middle back area just around the bra strap and to the top of the shoulder blades here as well so we want to be mindful of those uh, simple things once you know about them you go oh gosh i'm doing that um and it, and it and we can stop doing it and lastly even even if someone is just training arms would you still recommend keeping that core tight while yeah definitely doing arms? because because we have we have we have a big a big shoulder girdle obviously some people have bigger shoulder girdles than other and then we've got a small waist in terms of the support it's just a spine with the muscles it's literally just a stick with a big rib cage and a big pelvis mm -hmm. relatively speaking so if we're wiggling around up top, we of course have to hold hold more stable in the midsection. So we should have our core engaged correctly when we're doing any upper body exercises. That goes without saying, because this is such a broad structure up here compared to the thin spine that everything's balanced on. If we're not providing additional support from our core, then we're gonna be wobbling our back and that's gonna be a problem there as well. So please do bear that in mind, guys. Really, really important one. Okay, brilliant. Um, I think that's it. Just some really nice uh, thank yous and solid advice as ever. So brilliant. Thanks so awesome. much, everybody. Well, thanks for the comments, everybody. And thanks for the questions. They're really helpful. And uh, thanks for the one on swimming as well, because I did leave that one out. So apologies. <laughs> Six maybe was too many than five. I don't know. Anyway, uh, hopefully you found today's live stream helpful. If you are new to the channel and you're still watching, please do consider subscribing. 
We do these live streams every single weekday and we do the Q&A as always at the end. That's the best bit. It keeps me on my toes. It gives us some good engagement and you guys get to ask some really good questions that will benefit many people that are not watching at the time. So thank you very much for that. It's really, really appreciated. If you do know someone that would benefit from this live stream and you're watching it, please do consider sharing it with them on YouTube or on Facebook. We really appreciate that. And with that being said, have a great afternoon. It's a nice day outside today. So hopefully you get to enjoy the afternoon as well. And we will see you tomorrow with another live stream and I think that one is on sleeping so we'll talk a bit about that a big one for back pain have a great day guys